0: Tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study, not to bring back, but to wipe them out. Because just one of those things managed to wipe out my entire crew in less than 24 hours. And if the colonists have found that ship, then there's no telling how many of them have been exposed. Do you understand? I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast, is brought to you by the generous support of our incredible patrons. To learn more, please visit www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga Podcast. I am your host, J.M. Prater, and this is another, our first entry into our Spotlight on Fandom series, um, and this first entry, uh, I have my guest, Christopher Moonlight, Christopher Cooksey, I don't know what you prefer, um, and I met Christopher through getting a tour to, to ADI and interviewing Alec and Tom, and uh, at the time, you were like, oh, you know, it's kind of, I want to make sure that you, you really were like, I don't want to be... You know you didn't want to be really interviewed you're really trying to kind of push ADI so now here we are finally having an interview and welcome
1: to the show thank you well thank you very much and yeah uh, you know at at the time um, so I I have worked social media on and off for for Tom and Alec and uh, you know I, I don't mind talking about that but it's you know when I'm working social media, it's always been important to me that and to Tom and Alec, we we had a discussion about this when I started working with them that you know I was representing Tom and Alec's voice. And so I wanted to make sure that there was nothing in the social media that would confuse people and make them think that I was, you know representing them. My job was specifically to make sure that their voice came through on the social media. Um, and that I wasn't going around going, well, Tom and Alex said this, or, you know, I work for Tom and Alec and I think this or something, I wanted to make sure that, you know, my, my voice, um, was a separate entity and that their needs and their message were getting represented. And that's still, whenever I'm doing social media for ADI, that's still very important to me. But, um, you know, today I get to, uh, kind of shine a little bit with, with, uh, uh, blessing. So um, that's very exciting for me, and I'm, I'm really honored to be on your show. I love your show. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you for coming on. And really, I have to just kind of, again, thank you for op- really facilitating the meeting with Alec and Tom. And like you, following them, I mean, I remember seeing videos of them behind the scenes of Aliens when I was 14 and 15, you know. And then there I was sitting next to them, um, in my opinion, because I love behind-the-scenes stuff almost as much or more than the films. These kind of godheads of Effects of practical effects sitting in front of me. I mean, it was I still can't believe not that I'm starstruck, but These people as you very well know They they're a part of a, a magic that that was kind of Cast a, that cast a spell on our lives as children. Um, oh, they
1: changed our lives totally. Uh, we you know those behind the scenes that they're in uh, definitely inspired me um, and you know once once you turn them off and go on with your day, their, their work is, and their, um, their thoughts on doing the work that they impart through interviews or, um, you know, behind the scenes, uh, that stays with us. And, and it becomes like a fever and then we have to build stuff and we have to try making movies. So, uh, yeah, they, they ruined me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and, you know, they, what i love about them is they're accessible they're not full of themselves they're not distant a lot of uh, or it sometimes in the world of filmmaking you know everyone's in different places in their lives and sometimes to even get an interview with people is very difficult it's very hard not to say that it should be this easy thing but or sometimes people are like well i don't do interviews or the, they look at you and they're like, well, you're nobody. Why would I talk to you? They weren't like that. They were really gracious and kind. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, you, I didn't was as set up as I am now in terms of interviews and you helped get a really great audio for that. So I'm really appreciative of what you, uh, what you facilitated, but let's get into it. Like, so how did you end up working for a time for ADI? How did that happen?
1: Well, uh, boy, I mean, like you, uh, I spent a lot of time watching behind the scenes and you know we're about the same age so you know the before the time of DVD extras um you know there would be uh television specials about the making of stuff or um you know you would uh you know maybe take a trip to Universal Studios and take the tour and there might be a thing about Rick Baker making Harry and the Hendersons Uh, You know that animatronic head and they would make a real big deal out of it.
0: That's still Uh, incredible. Oh my god. Oh, yeah,
1: you know, and 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 so uh, You know, I grew up any chance I got to uh, throw a a VHS tape in the recorder and record a a special um, You know, I would do that and watch it over and over again Uh, you know, if there was a making of Star Wars or um, I very specifically remember, you know, relating to ADI uh, when I first became aware of them, uh, HBO had done a half-hour kind of making of coming attractions for Alien 3. And I was already a huge, uh, you know, on the autism aspect, uh, Asperger's spectrum, uh, obsessive fan of Aliens and Alien. Uh, and also, um, you know, the Terminator movies and and uh, Predator and uh, the thing and uh, so this special came on and I recorded it and that was kind of the first time I became aware and I told Alec about this because you know the announcer was very you know with gravitas everything he said you know special effects artist Tom Woodruff Jr. and Alec Gillis created you know and I was like and those movies stuck in my head and I remember talking about them and nobody knew what I was talking about you know I was like you know, I said to my dad yeah this guy Alec Gillis and my dad's like no, 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 Alec Guinness. He played Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was (laughs) like, like, no, 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 you don't understand. And I just kind of get waved off, you know, because I was in this immersed in this world and I was watching, you know, that recording of that half hour special over and over again. And then Alien 3 came out uh, and I watched it and, uh, you know, I was really, it was, it was the effects that really stuck with me. Um, I remember just you know the corridors and that rod puppet i know now a lot of people bag on the rod puppet and some people mistakenly mistakenly think that it is a uh, bad cgi yeah yeah um which it wasn't uh it was i think a rather brilliant rod puppet and i would like to see more rod puppets in movies but um the uh the compositing technology has gotten better i think you know it could be done but uh i actually went and found one of my friends had like a vhs camcorder and i convinced my friends to go um down into these like wash tunnels underground that you know are are barred off and gated off you're not supposed to be there but we were you know trespassing and didn't even really realize we were doing anything wrong so we went down there with this vhs camcorder and we were setting off smoke bombs to get atmosphere and we were you know trying to record stuff and i was building like out of uh i remember i built out of a rubber skeleton, a rubber bat, some latex, and some sculpy, uh, and some macaroni for the tail, I built uh, an alien rod puppet, which didn't work all that well. And I built all this miniature hive stuff using hot glue and drywall because my oh, parents man. were doing some renovation. That's and so I was awesome. like, and uh, you know, after a bit, I mean, this is before I even knew what a fan film was, but I wanted to make my own alien movie. And I was really serious about it, but my friends after a while, we're just like, oh, come on, you know, it's fun to talk about, but nobody's going to do that. And I kind of found that that was the prevailing attitude. A lot of people like this stuff and think it's fun, but don't think it's possible. So, um, and I I spent a lot of years getting talked out of pursuing things by either my parents who were very well-meaning or other people who kind of just like waved it off, you know, going like, oh, that's Hollywood stuff. Like Hollywood is this you know closed off area where you're like it's almost like another civilization you have to be born there to work there or something like that but um anyway i uh flash forward to i had a job at uh lamps plus doing photoshop work catalog compositing at lamps plus i used to go for walks every day and somebody at lamps plus had said oh yeah there's a special effects studio just down the street and i kind of went oh that's cool you know maybe i'll walk past and see something Well, one day I was walking past and the gate was rolled up and I looked and there was like an alien on the wall and a bug from Starship Troopers. And I was like, Oh, this place is legit. So, you know, I, then it kind of became a thing where I kept walking past, seeing what I could sneak a peek of. Then one day I'm, I'm walking and they are working on this. I think it was called like little Nikita or something like that. It was like a giant rod puppet of this girl dialing a phone. It was like one of their second videos on their channel but they were painting the head and I guess they were painting it outdoors because they wanted daylight and I saw it and I was like, there's these guys I worked with and I was like, Oh, that's cool. I'm going to go get them. We're going to, you know, so they can see this too. So I ran back and we all went and kind of looked from a distance and these guys saw us over there and, and they started like waving us forward. Like, yeah, no, come on. It's fine. You can come check it out. You know? And it didn't click at first. So it was Tom and Alec there, oh, with, awesome. actually, some of their employees, but I didn't, like, I just I don't know why I just didn't make the rec- the facial recognition at first. And then um, you said, well, you guys want to come come inside and take a look. We we were just finishing up work on the uh, thing prequel. And uh, we were like, yeah, sure. OK, you know, so they take us inside and they take us into the showroom, which you've been in and lots of people have seen in their behind the scenes, you know, footage and then Alec being framed with that behind him and me realizing instantly where I was, I was like, oh, holy crap. <laughs> You're Alec Gillis. And that guy I walked past before was Tom. And, you know, he was super nice. He was like, yeah, here's my email. You can write me. I was like, I'm, you know, aspiring filmmaker, that sort of thing. And uh he showed us some of the maquettes for the thing. And, uh, and then for a while, nothing, you know, I'd write to him every once in a while and he would respond with a short response. And, you know, this comes down to the thing of like, you know, people are busy. It's not that he was, uh, you know, waving me off or anything, but you know, people are busy when you're in the industry. There are a lot of people coming at you all the time. So oh, you yeah. got read my respond. script. Yeah, you exactly.
0: Know, I'd like to work <laughs> with you, you know, shout, and, and, me, shout out on Instagram,
1: you know, yeah, Yeah. exactly and and I have a lot of thoughts on that and I, I've had a lot of encounters with celebrities and people have told me about uh, Encounters with celebrities. I'm using this as an example because Alec wouldn't say he's a celebrity or Tom
0: uh, Maybe a nerd celebrity. <laughs> yeah, well
1: I It's funny, but you know um, a lot of celebrities are kind of curt a lot of times and I realize it's not because they're a-holes it's just because they have a lot of people coming at them all the time and they've got to kind of cap it off or else they would just always be, you know. So so if if you meet a celebrity and, and they're not, uh, you know, 100% warm to you, don't take it personally. It's just, you know, it's kind of something they have to adopt. Uh, the ones that are really warm, you know, <laughs> I I don't know how they do it. Uh, I couldn't imagine being anything more than warm to people, but, you know, I at the same time, it's like, uh, that's just my personality. So I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm not cut off out for that aspect of it, but with Tom and Alec, um, it was a surprise to them that they had fans. Uh, you know, they thought it was just people like me who, uh, you know, watched behind the scenes very rare, but when they opened up their YouTube channel, they had no idea they were going to get the flood of support,
0: Yeah, it's amazing,
1: especially when it came down to, uh, you know, after the Thing prequel came out and everyone was disappointed in all the CGI, they didn't release that video for any other reason than to say, you know, like, this is the work that we did. We're proud of it. We just want to, you know, leave it here so anyone that might appreciate it, they didn't expect it to get millions of views. And uh, so the opportunity came along for... uh Well, I mean, you know this story, Uh, uh, but maybe people who haven't seen the movie or, or missed the Kickstarter, but essentially that's how Harbinger Down came about. They had all these views on YouTube and they had all these people saying, no, we do love practical effects, which again was a big surprise to them. They didn't realize that people noticed the difference. They obviously noticed the difference, but they didn't realize that people cared so much about the quality of the effects. Um, you know, from the point of view of a lot of producers, uh, you know, the, the CGI was just, it was the new way to go. Uh, and so this outpouring of love for practical effects, uh, you know, delighted them. And then I don't know the story. I wasn't there when they decided to do Harbinger Down. Uh, I had moved to Texas and I opened up my, <laughs> Firefox browser and uh, just happened to see them post like, hey, we have this Kickstarter. And I saw the video, uh, the little test footage that they did and Alex Pitch and, you know, showing all the movies they'd done. And I looked at it, I went, this looks amazing. Of course, this has to happen. And then I looked at their social media and I went, this it there's hardly any social media around this. Shouldn't there be like a blast, a campaign, something? Uh, and I, I reached out to Alec because I had his email, and I said, look, I don't have any money. At the moment, I'm broke and unemployed. Uh, you know, my wife's working, but we're, you know, we don't have any money, but I can volunteer my time. Can that be my Kickstarter contribution? I'm looking at your social media, and there are a lot of things you can do to get the word out. And he accepted and he put me in touch with some of his people because he was busy making the movie or trying to figure that out. So I ended up being one of the leads on the campaign and I created, um, I reached out to a bunch of fans and I said, Hey, we're kind of like a radio street team. We were creating this Harbinger down street team where we were just like blasting out, you know, going on, uh, I was emailing horror sites. I was, Uh, doing social media blasts, I was um, and I ended up reaching out to um, someone uh, if you're on the internet in the nerd community, you might be aware of Comic Book Girl 19 Um, when she first started out I happened upon her channel early as she was kind of blowing up so I was emailing her a little bit not really like friends, but just going, I like your show I like this episode, and she would respond before she got too big to respond and I emailed her and I said, hey you've been doing these uh, shows on the Prometheus um, when Prometheus came out and she was kind of doing an, an analyzation of that. And she talked about how she liked practical effects. So I said, you love practical effects. You love these movies. Why don't you interview this guy? And so she en- ended up doing this really great over hour long interview with Alec, which she she parsed down to 20 minutes, but at the end of that video, you can kind of click the link for the full interview. And then she ended up interviewing Lance Henriksen uh so that was like a big thing for her and and the interview went well and then her fans saw the kickstarter and you know i'm I'm not gonna say i'm not gonna take credit for the entire thing funding because there were a lot of other people hustling to get you know big money pledges and that sort of thing but uh, collectively we achieved the goal and so i really felt like you know a part of this movie for the first time as a fan i got to be like hey you know, I was instrumental in the creation of this horror movie that um, I really liked. Um, and uh, anyway, it, it it turned out well, in my opinion. Uh, I, I realize there are some people that don't like it, but I think they were comparing it uh, to the thing and to aliens, and this was more of a Roger Corman low-budget movie. I was talking to the actor Bill Oberst Jr., and he said, "Yeah, you know, if people have a choice between, if you're going to make something that fits in with like, you know, this huge million-dollar, multi-million-dollar blockbuster, and yours is under a million dollars, people are going to compare them." And you know, but I think the movie holds up well. It's really well made. I mean, I,
0: I was following the campaign. I remember, I remember even writing to, to. I don't know where I wrote it, if it was on the campaign itself. And I was like, oh, I hope that they put a lot of effort because I knew that they could do the effects. But I wanted the film to really be serious and like not tongue in cheek. I didn't know. I didn't. They've never really made a film themselves mm-hmm. um, that I was aware of. This was the first thing. And I just I remember wanting the film to be really serious. And it was serious. They took it seriously. Um, it, it did feel a little bit like the thing, but that was not on an accident.
1: Exactly. And, and Alec and Tom, actually, no, no, Tom doesn't, but Alec does. Um, But it comes from a background of working for Roger Corman and Roger Corman was, you know, always doing kind of, his things weren't so much homages like Alex was, he, they were more knockoffs. Uh, But they were fun. If you watch battle beyond the stars or galaxy of terror, you know, it's like there was a, there was an element of, uh, low budget cheapness to them and they kind of had that knockoff quality but they were still always a good time to watch i'll watch galaxy of terror or or, um battle especially battle beyond the stars i actually loved battle beyond the stars as a kid uh you know i'll watch those and enjoy those now um and i would encourage anyone that watches the movie to kind of approach it from that end rather than trying to say uh you know like oh this this should sit well with John Carpenter's The Thing or Ridley Scott's Alien. Um, I do think that Alec as a director, um, if given a budget, could um, be up there with them, but he had a small budget and he had a limited amount of time, because he didn't, um, and uh, you know, probably, I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but uh, my impression was that he had to write the script after the campaign funds were raised because he didn't know how much money he was going to get and he had to kind of write the script accordingly, which is also a Roger Corman method and it's also how I write scripts. You know, I have access to this, I have access to this, I can't do this, that's too expensive. Uh, You know, and so he wrote the script around that and he had to do it in a bit of a hurry. Uh, You know, usually it takes uh, um, years to get the right draft of a script. And he had to make good on his campaign promise, but I think he did a really good job. And what I really like about the script is, and I won't go into details of what you know how I interpret the story, but knowing Alec like I do, I see a lot of Alec's soul in the script. And I think any good work of art needs to um, it needs to kind of come from a place that you look at that work and go like, yeah, that is inherently. Their work of art. Nobody would ever do it quite like that. And I do know Alec. Um, uh, I had <laughs> this is the this is the cool part. I think anybody who's a fan uh, would love a story like this or love this to happen to them. And it did happen to me. After the movie was made, uh, Alec and uh, Kabil Balsamo, uh, who starred in Harbinger, down alongside Lance, gave me a call and said, "We're going to be in Texas, where I lived at the time. Uh, we want to." um, take you out to dinner, um, as a thank you for helping us raise funds. Wow! And I was like, Oh, Oh cool. (laughs) Yeah. And I was in the middle. Okay. So here's the other thing. I, I decided after Harbinger down was made, I looked at what they did and I looked at all the behind the scenes that they had released and that sort of thing. And, and Alec had actually let me, um, and a few other Kickstarter supporters send in design ideas. So we did some design work. They didn't get used, but it you know, he we sent it in and you know, he looked it over and go, Oh, I like this and this and you know, um so there was always the potential it would, but like anybody who designs, you know, the director goes in and looks and sort of thing. But anyway, I was so inspired by everything, you know, watching them use reverse photography and make tentacles out of bubble wrap and use tricks like uh, putting magnets under a table and putting magnets in the tentacles, so that if you move the magnets under the table, the tentacles would move slither across the table. So I was like, "Well, I have to make a movie now. <laughs> I, I've got bubble wrap. I've got you know cheap materials. I can do this." Um, and so I was in the middle of making this movie when they said that I had sets built in my garage. I had like styrofoam, uh, and I was like, "Well, Alec." Instead of taking us out to dinner, why don't you come over for dinner? Uh, you know that'd be a lot easier for us anyway because it was like a school night and and you know we had to deal with the kids and so it's like just come over. He said, "Okay, well I'll bring barbecue and beer." So Alex nice. and Camille came over with barbecue and beer to my house, sat at the table with us for hours, and um, and we just chatted it up. And then I got to show them my creatures and my set and that sort of thing. And just generally geek out, and um, uh, so it it was uh, it was there, and I, I guess is a good lead into the book. Um, but I said, you know, hey, I love those books, like the H.R. Geeger books, and you know, Stan Winston School's books. I think I could put together a book, and very over optimistically, in a couple of months, you know, making of Harbinger down. And uh, I fully expected him to go like, no, no. And he said, yeah, that would be great. So, um, yeah, I was I was bowled over at that point. I forgot where I was going with that story, really. But, In terms uh, of
0: how the book came
1: out and yeah,
0: uh, your process of that.
1: Yeah. So, again, I wanted to make a book. First of all, I wanted an excuse to, to demand that every single thing set photo and, and behind the scenes photo uh get sent over to me. Um and uh, you know, so they took thousands of photos. I bet. And uh you know, it was it was definitely, I think, with the aim that there would be some sort of behind the scenes. And there's a lot of behind the scenes video as well, um, that went to the Kickstarter supporters, but it kind of become the, became this visual master class uh, in how to make a low-budget film. And it took me a lot longer than I thought to put the book together. First of all, it ended up being about twice as long in page number, page count, as I thought it was going to be. And uh, I decided, because I've done a lot of photo work, um, I wanted to color correct everything. I wanted to make sure that the photos were as vibrant and... Uh, um, detailed as possible a lot of photos were taken in the dark so i i'm actually have a lot of experience color correcting photos so i um color corrected everything i did the page layout, and then i kept writing questions to alec like what's this what am i looking at here and alec wasn't always uh available because he was working on other movies he was um working on it and annabelle and uh, Jurassic World 2 and that sort of thing so he was really busy so what I would do is I would write stuff what I thought it was and then I would send it him and go is this right and he would go like um, like no no this is that that's the wrong material or you know this person's name is this or no that's not actually how we did it we did it like this so I'd then go and rewrite and correct Um, but Essentially, I got what I wanted to create, which was this book that if you're a fan, you get a behind-the-scenes look. If you're an aspiring effects artist or an aspiring filmmaker and want to know how to do this stuff, especially on a budget, you could look at it and get inspired. Um, and that was the main goal because like you and like myself, I wanted something that you know any person of any age but a young person—I imagine my you know 12-year-old self getting a book like this— and f- just flipping through it endlessly and and getting ideas and uh, I really feel like I accomplished that so um, you know now now the book is out and uh, I'm very I'm very pleased with it It covers you know the uh, pre-production stuff like the drawings and and artwork and it covers the cre- creation of the creatures the miniatures. It also covers the building of the set and then it covers shooting the film. So you've got on set photos with the actors doing their thing, having Mm -hmm. fun. And then there are film, there's um, not films, there is footage, or uh, I'm using the wrong terms all over the place. There are photographs of uh, the premiere. And then at the end, we've got some, I won't call them bloopers, but like, you know, people goofing around photos and that sort of thing. And then little bios on some of the main people who worked on the film that I wrote them. They're kind of silly, but just making sure that all these People who kind of also, a lot of them either worked for below their rates, or some of them worked for free. Maybe I'm not sure. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure. I'm I'm sure. Yeah, Alec usually finds a way to pay people, even if it's on a low budget. He's he's very good at not asking people to work for free. So, um, but uh, anyway that that's the i kind of skipped over the whole thing of of how i got hired by them for a while which was fun and i hope i i get hired back uh like any business when it's slow they have to do layoffs and then when it's you know picks back up they bring people back on but um yeah i i'm i'm pleased with this book and uh alec is too he's excited i've been getting messages from uh people who worked on the film saying like, Oh, I just got a copy. It's like having a yearbook of that time. Uh, Alec, actually, he sent me over some signed Blu-rays, uh, cause he wants me to, uh, do through certain outlets to promote the book, uh, do some Blu-ray giveaways. Awesome. awesome. So I, I would love to give one to, uh, to one of your listeners. Yeah,
0: that would be great. Just tell, tell us or tell them what they need to do.
1: Well, I tell you what, we'll do this. Okay, so um, at the time of this podcast, I'm, I'm sure this podcast will be tweeted on Twitter, right? Yes. So let's do this. Let's when you tweet out the podcast, you'll tweet it out with the instructions of retweet this with the hashtag Harbinger Down and the hashtag Practical Effects, and then after a few days, uh, I won't name a date here because I'm not sure when this will air, but um I'll pick a winner and I'll mail you a Blu-ray copy of Harbinger Down signed by Alec Gillis and that way we're getting the word out about the book which I love and uh somebody can enjoy the director's commentary and the director of photography com- commentary from Ben Brown he talks all about uh filming the set and lighting the set so there's some uh really great uh commentaries in there comes comes with a lot of passion you know this movie yeah. comes from a place of passion which is very important to all of us.
0: Yeah, uh, though that's awesome. I mean, I, I, we are all here in many ways because we're passionate about something. And for you and I, we're passionate about, well, many things. But certainly back in those days when we were at home with our VHS player and we're watching a video and we're seeing Tom and Alec or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, really, that's that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do.
1: And I should say, too, um, as far as Tom and Alec go, I think the reason that they're so accessible and the reason that they're so, uh, you know, into their fans, it's not an ego thing. Uh, I want to be very clear about that. I've gotten to know uh, Tom and Alec pretty well, uh, especially Alec. These are people who love their fans, not because they're like people coming up to them and telling them how great they are. They love the passion because they have that passion too, and I think that that's really the thing that got me uh, doing this stuff for Tom and Alec. Why they've trusted me at times with their social media and they trusted me to do this book is, uh, you know, I'm legitimately passionate about this work, and they are too. And when you when you talk to them, it's not just like, uh, oh, tell me how great I am," or you know, remember that time where I did that. Brain bug for Starship Troopers. That was pretty good. No, it's nothing like that. It's like they have such enthusiasm when they take on any job, like, oh, isn't this cool? Oh, look what happens when we do this. Or we tried this out and it didn't work, but then we tried this. It's like they feel just a genuine excitement for creating these effects. So to be in the company of anybody who also feels that excitement is, uh, it's as wonderful for them as it is for the fans, uh, you know, and they're very, uh, you know, I call they're kind of salt of the earth, blue collar type of guys as well. Um, so, you know, they, they're not into the whole, like, look at how great I am thing. They just, they really like every time I've been in their company, you know, it's like, if it's time to get down to business, they are all business, you know, but when it comes to that enthusiasm, you know, you can count on that from them every time, they really love this, and they really do uh, love meeting all of their fans, and and that's why they love doing videos, you know, I th- or um, interviews. I think they're completely bowled over still that uh, people care about this stuff in the way that they do. So, you know, they're when they have time to do interviews and that sort of thing, they're they're as grateful to be uh to, to have people coming to them to want to talk to them as, you know, you are to being able to come into the shop. Um I was sorry, I had to I had to bail. I think I had to pick my kid up from school. Yep. Uh so yep. I don't know how much more time you had in the well, shop well it was after.
0: kinda cool because you left and then Alec was with me the whole rest of the way and he was like hey go over here do this do what you need to do and I did and again it was just a really surreal full circle moment to be in the company of Alec Gillis again not because he is I think he is this oh my god he's this god I just he's someone who has inspired my imagination and to uh, to be in that company, um, knowing that he's been next to Sigourney Weaver, who is my <laughs> space my space mom, uh, it was just really humbling. It was a really, uh, it just felt like one uh, like a, a blessing to have that opportunity because there's thousands of people out there who love special effects who are in groups as you and I are, and very few of us get the opportunity to meet some of our heroes, and that's what I think of them.
1: Uh, That's funny. Uh, I always have a joke with Alec, you know, because Camille, I think at one point, Alec, we were having a conversation, Camille, Alec and myself and Alec said something and uh, it just went awry. And Camille laughed at him and said, never meet your heroes. And I joked with him. I was like, he's not really a hero. He's just a role model. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, honestly, I I will definitely say this about the experience of working for them. First of all, every time I went into that showroom, it never got old. You know especially to have Sigourney Weaver kind of smirking, you know, on one side, you know, they've got that that life cast. And she, Alex's story is she was kind of smiling when they did the life cast, so it came out, so they just left it in there for that. Um, but uh, you know, you go into that showroom every single time, and they're always rearranging it and putting new things in it, sort of thing. I don't know if Pennywise the Clown was there when you were there, yes, he was. Uh, okay, cool. That Pennywise man, they. The work is so good because you see you see things like, you know, you see toy companies and replica companies do like, oh, here's a release of our Pennywise. And you think of the Pennywise they did in the showroom and it looks like, you know, he'll start talking at any second. Oh, yeah. Terrifying.
0: Um, As is the doll
1: on the rocking chair. Oh, the Annabelle doll. Yeah. On the, the rocking chair. So, you know, you go in there and and, you know, every single time I go in there, I remember you know, seeing that showroom on TV, you know, as if it was looking into another dimension and then suddenly you're actually there, um, you know, it, it never got old. And I would always walk through the shop and I was always, you know, you, sometimes you couldn't help it. I tried to be careful not to bother the people while they were at work. Um, but it, You know and and then I look on social media and like I think you mentioned before constantly you have people going oh it's my dream to work there you know oh I would do anything to work there I'd pay to work there and I was like wow here I am doing work for Tom and Alex it's not effects work it's you know I did some editing for them and I and I did a lot of their social media and I got to be you know arrange interviews and and that sort of thing and and show up for interviews and and as far as you know, people like you go, you know. Again, I was a fan before I got to do all this stuff, and that means that I was on social media chatting with the fans, chatting with you know, um, you know, Monster Legacy with per- Perfect Organism with with ABB Galaxy, uh, and you guys, you know, shared my enthusiasm. So when I got the job. And they get they said to me, well, you know, what can we do to, you know, up our social media presence? You guys were the first people that I thought of. I I was like, hey, I got to I got to reach out to these guys and go like, hey, I'm in. You guys got to come in, too, you, you know, because I know if the roles were reversed and someone reached out to me and said that I would be completely. Completely jazzed, you know. So uh it it kind of it made my day being able to be the guy that that kind of like facilitated uh realizing what I'm sure is a you know a dream for a lot of people. So it, it it brought a lot of joy to me. Totally. And that and that's why I do this stuff, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to sell a book, but I also I did the book out of passion. And I really, like I said, I want it to be the kind of thing that sits on a shelf with your H.R. Giger books, your your Stan Winston books and any behind the scene books that you collect that you can just flip through and you know go like ah this is so much fun.
0: So for those of us who are going to buy the book, including myself, where do we go and get it?
1: Okay, so um, it's on Amazon. It's available in uh, paperback, which is it's a print-on-demand thing that a- Amazon does because I couldn't uh, do you know an actual print run or it's available on Kindle, and uh, I I created a tiny URL link. I guess, is that Bitly or something? Somebody created a Bitly thing. Stan Winston School created a Bitly link, so I'll look for that too, but tinyurl.com slash makingharbingerdown is what I chose. So if you type that in, it'll take you to the book, Um, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, do more books now that I've done this one Um, I don't know if I'll do more with ADI, but I have my own movie, The Quantum Terror. After I'm finished with that, I'd love to do a book that's kind of the same, that shows how I did it in my house and in my garage, and how other people can do it too. And, uh, yeah, maybe I'll kind of dip my beak into, uh, doing some like how to books or something like that, all based around filmmaking and, and uh, low budget effects and that sort of thing. So I hope you'll check that out too. And follow me on social media. You mentioned Christopher Moonlight is like Christopher Moonlight productions. That's like my production name. So if you search Got Christopher it. Moonlight, you'll generally find me. I go by Christopher Cooksey, but I've created, I don't know what I was thinking. It's kind of like created confusion and that sort of thing, but I wanted to do something. <laughs> that that's a that good name stu- though oh thanks well i wanted to do something that stood out you remember you don't remember christopher cooksey you remember christopher moonlight i do totally
0: uh, I, you I, know t- it's,
1: yeah. so it's it's kind of like the production company name but if you generally search christopher moonlight you can find a lot of this stuff and i also do i have a podcast too um uh which I should actually have you on as well. Maybe I know I we talked
0: you. about that. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I should get you because I like to do like guest hosts and that sort of thing. But I have two podcasts all on my YouTube channel. One is um, The Practical People, which is interviewing practical effects artists. I interview Alec and I've interviewed people like Jordu Schell, um, Steve Johnson, Neville Page, Shannon Shea, Makeup Effects Group, Odd Studio, uh, I've been really lucky. There's so many people who said yes to me. Yeah. And I love Odd
0: Studio. They're just, we interviewed them for Perfect Organism. Um, oh, Adam and- Johansson and um, uh, Creatures Inc. guy with, he was there too. Uh, oh my God. I'm forgetting his name. I always do. I always remember Adam Johansson. Great guys. So kind, much like Alec and Tom, so accessible. They don't have airs on them. They're just real people, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I found about a lot a lot of practical effects people. I really haven't interviewed anyone who was uh, full of themselves. You know, they're all just kind of like really grateful to be doing this and, and uh, having a good time. Uh, and then I kind of expanded the show as well to interviewing. Uh, I, I did another one called Household Filmmaking, where I interview other professionals, actors, uh, directors, directors even distribution companies, like all aspects of filmmaking, that sort of thing. But yeah, I've got to have you on as like a co-host because I think it'd be fun. It's always better to have someone kind of like to banter back and forth with, it. you know, when it's just me and the other person, sometimes it can become difficult to um, keep the conversation flowing. I mean, I'm very talkative, but I don't want to make the shows all about me. I want to let them talk.
0: Then you have to like Uh, do uh, magic and editing and like make it flow better and cut the spaces out.
1: Yeah, edit out all the times I try and ask a question and then completely flub it, and they go like, (laughs) I don't understand what you're asking me. And so I can go, let me rephrase that and then cut that whole bit out. Um, But yeah, it's been really wonderful. I got to interview, um, I've got more interviews coming up, but I got to interview the actor Bill Oberst Jr., who's going to be in Rob Zombie's Three from Hell. Uh, And he and I share a passion for Ray Bradbury, so uh we really hit it off, and I think that was a great episode and I interviewed uh Camille Balsamo from Harbinger Down and uh Val Merrick, who's the co creator of howard the duck i I just you know just saying this stuff out loud, I realize just how lucky I am to be able to interview so many great people and you know not only that but uh you know I kind of this may sound silly, but I kind of consider the people who do podcasts like yours uh to be kind of celebrities too, you know, it's like, I mean, obviously you're walking down the street, no one recognizes you, but at the same time in the, you know, people know who Perfect Organism Podcast is. People know who like Mr. H Review and Alien Theory and and AVP Galaxy. If you're a fan, uh, you know, you guys are at the forefront. And I really think that you know, studios like Fox should be reaching out to you guys more often because I don't think they realize um, just how much what you do is uh, is driving a lot of the fandom. Is you know, kind of keeping the discussions going and keeping the interest going and finding all the wonderful minutiae in these films that you know most people just go to the movies they watch it they enjoy it and then they go on with their lives Mm -hmm. but the fans you know they i love film analysis i love hearing about even if there's an alien or predator movie that i don't like uh and i'm very finicky very finicky i still (laughs) (laughs) i still love hearing aspects of why people do like them you know it's like i I enjoyed Prometheus, but I understand there are things about it that I go, no, that's that's wrong. And I'm most of the aliens movies I have big problems with, but I still watch them and enjoy them because there's everybody's had these different ideas about them. And so to have people who dedicate shows to analyzing these films, it helps me too, as a filmmaker, you know, I, I think about what you guys say and incorporate that into my thinking when i'm trying to create something because i don't want to create crap films i want to create even if i'm working on low budget i want to create movies that that people watch and go this guy gets it this guy understands why i love what i love and has created something that speaks to that Mm -hmm. uh you know because i don't you know we all have felt that disappointment of going to see a A sequel to something and going like this is gonna be so good and then going why did they do that it's almost like (laughs) you could you just go why why did you make that choice that choice just takes away from everything you know that uh anyway i could ramble on i again i have so much to say uh you know about filmmaking and about uh these franchises that we love and and i'm really hoping that uh, Alec gets to show you guys uh, some of his other projects soon.
0: Yeah, that one has been announced that we can say that they're working on. I think yes, we talked I- about it at Comic-Con. And I think Alec is directing, and it's starring oh, – I can't remember her name right now.
1: No, no, no. Alec is not directing. Alec is producing. Okay. So yeah, adi's next project is called Wellwood. uh they're not the only producer on it, but it's, it's a studio ADI production. It stars uh Castle Hughes and uh Camille balsamo and Reed columns uh Reed and Camille were in Harbinger down uh and uh yeah it's it's I forget who the director is, but it's a um she's uh directed for Funny or die, I believe. Uh, And she's friends with Camille. I think Camille's a a producer on it as well. Uh, But it's this really cool science fiction story. I can't say anything about it because I I don't know what they've said, Uh, but it's gonna be good. And I I got to see some effects work for it. Uh, They shot it in Louisiana and um, I'm really excited about it. And I know the experience of working on Harbinger Down was educational for everybody. So... um, you know i th- i think that this is going to be like the next step you know everything's going to kind of uh evolve forward from there so i'm really excited about that and tom and alec you know they've got other projects that i see them working on and they they keep having to put them on hold because they have to do work for other movies uh but i hope they get to show those too because th- these guys are are you know they're stepping into new territory again out of passion uh they don't do this I think they've always wanted to be directors. and I've I've heard them say this uh, themselves. So I'm not I don't think I'm overstepping my bounds and saying that when they first started an effects company, they really thought that they were just they were just gonna go forward and be directors and maybe do some effects work on the side um to, you know, fill in the gaps and then they just kept getting work. You know, they did Tremors, they did Alien Three and then it kind of kept going from there uh but these guys are both really good directors and they've directed second unit stuff so it's not like they don't have experience directing uh i really want to see studio adi personally uh go for it and, and make a bunch of movies and hopefully involve me in some of them uh but i mean they're uh they're just fantastic people and they're doing fantastic work and and you know that it even now, after 30 years, because they just celebrated the 30th anniversary, of so um, crazy, yeah, of creating all of this stuff. You know, it's no small thing to you know step outside of your comfort zone. They could have easily just stuck with what works, or you know, set up a CGI division and and you know kept going from there. Uh, they. You know, they're being, I think, very bold, putting themselves out there, and they're doing it out of passion. And that's why I hang out with them, too, because if they weren't passionate about it, it wouldn't—you know, the status is nice, but it's not enough. You know, it's—I don't want to waste my time with people who aren't passionate, who aren't willing to take risks, um, put themselves out there. And there's this really great quote. I've been thinking about this a lot, I, I, if I may indulge in in a little bit of— Please, philosophy philosophical uh, banter here for a second. It's, uh, I, I, kept, I keep it on my phone. And this is for anybody who is um, wanting to make films or make art in any kind of way. Um, and it is a quote from Star Trek The Next Generation. And uh, it's Q talking to Picard. He says, it's not safe out here. It's wondrous with treasures to satiate desires, both subtle and gross, but it's not for the timid. I keep that in mind all the time because anybody who's following from a place of passion is taking a risk. If it was easy or without risk, everybody would be doing it. You have a passion inside of you for whether it be practical effects or filmmaking or all of the above, painting, making music, anything that is not conventional, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who want to do it and fail. And it could quite possibly be that you're among those people. But if you're persistent, you come from a place of passion and you're brave, um, you will have some measure of success, and I think even though I'm definitely not in the area of being a rich director yet, or uh, you know, a, a, a practical effects artist, or a publisher of books, or whatever it is, I consider myself very successful. I've I've gotten in with people who are passionate, and that I can I include you among those people, not just uh, Tom and Alec. But I've gotten myself into a group of people who care about the things the way that I do. And, uh, you know, I get to interview other great people, and I've got to work in the past with some other people that I've admired, like Ray Bradbury. Um, and that I even have a story about Stan Lee that I can't tell because of an NDA. But there's a measure of success there that through passion and through persistence and through hard work, I've accomplished. And I think I'm going to keep going forward that way. And, uh, you know, that's, maybe that's fandom, maybe that's obsession, but, uh, I don't think any of it's specifically, uh, some of it's luck for sure. But, you know, luck is an opportunity that you can, you can pass by as easily as anything else. So, you know, uh, anybody out there listening, you know, I, again, I hope that this book I've created is, uh, that kind of fuel for your fire. Um, that's really what I meant it to be. And that's, you know, the place that I was creating it from. So, um, you know, that's, that's for everybody, uh, who has that passion and is willing to take that risk and, uh, and will fail at times and will dust yourself back up and, and keep going.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Well, uh, to end this, tell us how we can fund your, your podcasts and your channel. Oh, thank
1: you. Yeah, thank you. For, I forgot about that. Yes, I have a Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash Christopher Moonlight. Um, if you go to any of the videos on YouTube, you can find the link or PayPal if you want to be a one time donor. Um, I'm always very grateful for that. And of course, you know, when you buy a paperback copy of the book, you're helping to support me as well. And, and I think that's, you know, true for anybody's art that you love. You know, if you um, you know, there's all these ways to support artists. I think there are memes about it. If you can afford to buy something from them, buy something from them because that keeps them going. And if you can't, then you know, just give a retweet uh, or a comment or a like, you know, uh, or leave a review on a, on a book or something. All those things help. You don't have to, you know, talk them up. Just be honest. If you like their work, you know, I think that kind of thing uh, also comes from a pace place of passion. And that sincerity is what helps those artists. So, uh, yeah, so I have patreon.com slash Christopher moonlight. Uh, and, uh, I have Christopher which I'm working on at the moment. we we artists are always busy with something. I think I, we have it one chink in our armor. It is that we are, um, <laughs> we <laughs> doing too many things at once. Amen to that. But uh, but thank you again for having me on the show. And I want to say thank you to all of your listeners for, uh, you know, you guys are are what we do this for. If we didn't have an audience, uh, we'd be working in a vacuum and that's no fun at all. So thank you for making this so much fun.
0: Absolutely, sir. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, um, as I'm sure everyone else does. We love these kind of uh, I do, at least I love the curtain being pulled back to kind of see kind of the 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 intricacies of our dreams and what's 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 made the things that that have inspired us you can't that's why i consider people who who like tom and like alec um who i consider them heroes because people that inspire me are my heroes so i consider uh, i i appreciate it and everything that you've done
1: thank you and I, I, I know Tom and Alec would, would thank you and uh, I'm sure I'll be back uh, that way in California because I'm in Arizona now but I, there will be other opportunities to, uh, to interact with them and ADI I'm sure awesome uh, yeah uh, so uh, yeah thank you again